0: Hey, Pastor Sean here. Thank you so much for checking out our sermons online. I want to let you know whether this is your first time watching one of our sermons or you're just reviewing a sermon, that you've heard here on the campus, I will welcome you. But I do want to let you know we have a core value at Coastal Community Church, and that core value is that you find a local church to be a part of. And so, uh, if this, Hopefully this sermon series or this sermon is supplementing your spiritual growth. But I want to encourage you to find a, a local church. If you live in the Yorktown, Virginia area, we would... Love for you to visit us. We have three services, uh, 8 o'clock, nine thirty, and 11, and we meet at 101 Village Avenue. Thank you so much for checking out this sermon online. I hope it encourages your walk and your journey with Jesus Christ. Not only to bring us to Christ, but to sharpen the gospel in our lives on a daily and regular basis. And God has ordained motherhood as a good thing and something that we all need. And so do me a favor, if you're a mom here this morning, would you stand Uh, We want to applaud for you. Thank you. And wow, fantastic. No, don't sit yet. Don't sit yet. Don't sit yet. I want to pray over you as well. Uh, We are really grateful for you. I know… Uh, mothers day can be a mixed emotional thing too uh depending on your journey and so I want to pray for you those of you even are standing or going, man my journey's been difficult so so let's bow our heads let's pray let's thank the lord for our moms and the his gift of family let's pray heavenly father um you ordained the home you you made it as you intended lord you You actually separated the sexes, male and female, with their uniquenesses and their differences, um, not to bring trouble, but to sharpen us and to make us more like Christ. And so, we thank You for motherhood. We thank You for the moms that are standing and and have served their home. and, And we all know that oftentimes the things that moms do are thankless, and it seems like no one sees or appreciates. We're grateful for a God who does see and a God who does reward, as 1 Corinthians 15 tells us. And so, thank you, Lord, for each of these moms. I, I pray for the one in this room that maybe is not standing. Maybe it's a son or a husband who, who lost his wife or lost his mom this year. And so, today is different and it's difficult. And I pray that you would be the God of all comforts. I, I pray for the mom in this room that's standing that had uh, lost a child this year. It's not the order of things, God, and today is a mix of of grief and and thanksgiving and remembrance, and so I pray that you would draw near to that mom and bear her up, give her strength when she feels like she has none. I pray for the single moms in this room that are bearing the weight of parenting and providing, and uh, Lord, I pray that You would give a measure of grace and strength and provision that even goes beyond their own abilities. I pray that You would fill in the gaps around their children where, where maybe a dad's not involved, and I pray that even the church could be a part of filling those gaps with godly men um, that can model for the children uh, how a, a Christian man acts and behaves and serves the Lord. And Lord, I pray for uh, all of our moms, God, I pray Your blessing upon them, God, as they go out of here today, that they would know they're loved and appreciated, and, and that we would all leave being reminded of our need for a Savior and the gospel, because none of us is, is perfect, Lord, and we need Christ to refine us and to fill in the gaps of the hearts of all of those in our family where we all fall short and so we thank you for the hope of the gospel, that it repairs and it forgives and it, it redeems and it restores. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, moms, give them a round of applause. We love you. We have a gift for you on the way out this morning, provided by both our men's ministry and student ministry, as a thank you for being here this morning. Take it as part of your Mother's Day to be with us at Coastal. This morning, I want to look at three snippets in the life of Mary, uh, Jesus' mom, that I think will apply to us, okay? All of us, no matter where you are, uh, whether you're mom, dad, kid, whatever. I think there's some application, and, uh, and it's really simple, okay? That um, we, we treasure Christ, we see that from Mary, we obey Christ, we see that from Mary, and we see Jesus highlighting and giving very practical implications of what it is a family does for one another. There's many things. We're going to look at one thing this morning in that arena. And uh, So turn with me if you have your Bible. We're going to skip the three different passages. Luke chapter 2, if, there's not, if you don't have a Bible, hopefully there's one. In a chair in front of you. If you don't own a Bible, take that one with you, okay? That's our gift to you. We'd love for you to have a copy of the Word of God. And, um, you know, I was thinking, and so we're looking at the life of Mary. Mary wasn't perfect. There's some passages in Scripture where uh, I'm not even going to turn to this morning, but I think hint that maybe even she struggled at times with doubt surrounding the ministry of Jesus. Uh, but we know that she was the Virgin Mary. She gave birth to the God Man Jesus Christ, and, and uh, He's the object of our worship. He was the object of Mary's worship. That He was her Savior, you know. But I was I was thinking about Mary, you know. Imagine imagine bringing up Jesus. Like how awesome would that be? You don't have to tell him to clean his room once. <laughs> Got it, Mom. I'll never disobey again, right? And and we know that Jesus had some half brothers. Imagine their lot in life. You know, for those of you who are like middle child that you're here this morning, you're like, oh man, I, my, my older bro, sibling so perfect. At least Jesus isn't your older sibling, you know? I mean, Mary's running around the house going, worship your brother, you know? Like, he'll, he's your Savior, you know? I mean, how weird would that be? So, you got it a lot easier. Stop with the middle child complaining. Anyway, so… Um, First thing I want you to see this morning, we got—I got to fly. Okay, guarding the gospel. Mary guards the gospel in her heart. She treasures the gospel, and we see this in Luke chapter two, verse seventeen. Luke two seventeen. So what we have here, let me give you a little context. It's the Christmas story actually. And in what happens is the angels show up to the shepherds and the shepherds get told, "Hey, the Messiah has come." And then the shepherds show up at the birthplace, at the at the barnyard essentially where Jesus is born and they recount to Mary and Joseph and everybody that's in this barn, what they've been told from the angels. So, in Luke chapter 2, verse 17, it says, when they saw it, when the shepherds heard from the angels, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And then all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So, we're going to go back in just a moment and find out what the shepherds heard. But the shepherds hear this message from the angels. They show up. There's all these people there, and they're wondering, wow, this is awesome. What are these shepherds saying, right? But Verse 19, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary treasured. Now what is it that the angels told the shepherds? Because this is important to the story. We have to know what is it that Mary treasured, right? And that's found in Luke chapter 2 verse 10, right, where these angels show up to the shepherds. And by the way, shepherding was like the worst job of the day, right? As a parent, you never bragged about your kid being a shepherd, right? You would you know, nowadays, like, oh, my kid's an engineer, my kid's a doctor, my kid's a professional athlete, whatever, you know, whatever gets you geeked up, you brag about your kids. You would never say, well, my kid's a shepherd. Like, that one you just keep to yourself. So it's fascinating the angels appear and announce the birth of the Savior to the shepherds. And so the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. We're going to park there in verse 11. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts. What were they doing? They were praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. And so these angels show up and they say, hey, listen, man, I've got amazing news that's going to bring great joy to everyone. And what is it? What is it that Mary treasured? She treasured the gospel And it's found in verse 11, man. It's very, very important that you understand this. What was it that Mary treasured? That that God had sent a Savior. That God had sent a Savior to us. And by the way, I preached on this at the beginning of Strong in His Might, and, and, and I'm not going to spend the whole sermon here this morning, but you have to understand this morning, if you're a guest for this morning, you're not yet a Christian, you're not yet a follower of Christ. One of the, I, I think, false ideas of God that have, have permeated our culture is that God is only love. God is the totality of His character and His nature at all times. Which means he's also a God that's holy. That means he's very separated from sin. He can't have sin in his midst. He's also a God who's just. And the Scriptures are clear that, that you, apart from Christ, are not neutral with God. There's not some kind of God neutrality. I'm okay, you're okay. No, we're actually, the Scriptures are very clear, we're actually enemies with God because we've rebelled against his word. We're sinners, is the Bible's word, for it. We've, we've missed the mark of God's holiness. And therefore, our hearts and our minds and our actions are all in. Rebellion to the character of God, and so what God does what we deserve from God is his holy wrath against our sin. Our sin deserves to be justly punished by God. That's your state apart from believing in a savior that he sent, Jesus Christ. And so the angels show up and they say, Man, the first thing I want you to know, God has sent a savior. And his name in Luke chapter 2, verse 11, his name is Christ the Lord. Now, both of these are actually titles, okay? Christ means he's the anointed one, he's the special one, he's the Messiah, he's the God man sent from our heavenly Father, and he is the Lord, which is a positional term that lets us know that if we're in Jesus Christ, he has the position of lordship over our lives. This was the message that the angels brought to the shepherds, that they brought to Mary, and guess what Mary did? She treasured this. And so the angels end with, in verse 14, man, we now have peace with God. Listen, you need above all else. Peace is not like, man, I need to find peace within myself. No, you need to find peace with God. That's the starting point of having peace with yourself. Paul latches on to this in Romans chapter 5 verse 1. He says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by going to church on Mother's Day. Isn't that what it says? No, no, wait, wait, we're made right which, by the way, it does imply, what? That we're not right in God's sight. See, don't leave here today that apart from Christ, you thinking, man, I'm, I'm okay with… You know, apart, from God, apart from Christ, you are not okay in God's sight. You're, in, you're under the judgment and deserved wrath that will come on Judgment Day. We need to let that sit and soak in our soul for a minute. But Paul says, no… Therefore, since we've been made right within God's sight, by what? By faith. Faith in what? Well, we have peace with God because we have faith in what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, faith in the person and the work of Christ. What is the person and work of Christ? He lived a perfect life. He died a death in our stead. While Jesus hung on the cross, God poured out his hatred and his anger on sin. On your behalf and my behalf, Jesus bore the sins of the world. They placed him in a grave. Three days later, he rose from the grave, authenticating his claims as being the Christ, the chosen one, the special one, the anointed one, the Messiah, our Lord. And when we believe in him, his good works are now credited to us by grace through faith. That is the gospel message. And that is the message that the angels brought. And that is the message that Mary treasured. And what we see here when the angels show up is everybody in the room wondered. Right? The text says, man, they wondered at what the the shepherds had brought, this message. Maybe you're here this morning and... You, 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 let's be honest, you came because your mom dragged you this morning, all right? You knew the best gift you could give your mama was to come to church. And maybe you're hearing this and, you're, and you wonder. I wonder why she believes that. I wonder if that's true. I wonder if what that preacher's up there ranting about. If that's right. See, there's a difference between wondering and treasuring because Mary treasured this captured her heart. And by the way, we, we we the word treasure here means literally to guard. We guard the things we treasure, don't we? Like our children, right? We guard our children. I, listen, unashamedly, I'm a helicopter parent, right? Unashamedly, I'd still put my kids in bubble wrap if they let me. Like, here, kid. It's a little weird when you're in high school, you know, like you're going to school in bubble wrap. But Listen, we, we know you as parents treasure your children at Coastal. Listen, our children's ministry, we have a security team, we've got video cameras, we do background checks. Why? Because we, we treasure like you treasure. We should treasure children. Why do we applaud so loud? We love the song, man. I've, I've got great potential. I'm a possibility, you know. I, I'm 50. I'm still hoping I have some possibilities. But anyway, <laughs> not quite 50 yet, for those of you who are wondering. Um, so... Really, none of your business. Let's keep going. So, <clears throat> oh, yeah, we do, right? We have these little attachments under our garage where we treasure stuff, right? We don't live in this attachment. It's called a garage, right? And some of you, this is crazy as it sounds, some people in this room actually put their vehicle in the garage, right? Most of us put like plastic Walmart junk in the garage while the very expensive vehicle sits out in the elements, We treasure the stuff we care about, right? Coins? Memorabilia? Baseball cards? I don't know, keepsakes. We we guard, we guard. And, and so Mary, she didn't just wonder about the gospel. She treasured the gospel in her heart. Here's my question. Are you here this morning? Are you just wondering about this thing? Or are you treasuring? Are you wondering or are you treasuring? By the way, let me, let me challenge you. Let me offer a challenge. If you're here this morning, and I was kind of kidding, you, kinda, kinda, you knew your mom, it would be important to your mom if you came to church, right? If that's kind of you, you're not really a churchgoer, but you, went, you came this morning for your mom's sake, and hopefully you're going out to lunch, your treat, okay, afterwards. Hopefully that's you. Um, so um, during that lunchtime, I want you to take five minutes. I want you to look at your mom and go, why do you treasure Christ? Why do you treasure Christ? Why do you treasure Christ? Because she had you come here this morning because she treasures Christ. And she wants you to hear the treasure. And I want you to ask, and I want you to listen. Because lots of people wonder. And lots of people wonder about this story. I want you to treasure. That's the first thing, Mary, we learned. She treasured Christ. Second thing is this, ready? Second thing is this. I want you to flip over to John chapter 2, okay? Still in the Gospels. It's the last of the four. John chapter two It's the first miracle of christ, which it's a it's an interesting story. I wish I fully understood the context. I don't understand all of the context okay um, but they're at this wedding, and they run out of adult beverage and um, and so Mary um, shows comes to jesus and She's like, hey, the wine ran out. Okay, so let's check this out. In John chapter 2, verse 3, it says, When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine, and Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever it is he tells you. Now, there's so much here I could unpack. I, I, I really want to fo- focus in on that last line there in verse 5. But real quick, just uh, by way of, of some introduction, all right? Um, She submits this problem to her son, to Christ. She submits her problem to Christ. Now, we don't really know why she was concerned about this. It was probably a social disgrace. For whatever reason, Mary felt the need that she was in charge of making sure the guests were well tended to. I mean, you can imagine if your kid was getting married and you know, you're in charge of the reception and like you run out of food halfway through. like That's a problem. Like, oh, man, we didn't plan. And so that's probably what's going on here. And so what's interesting is she shows up to Jesus and she says, knowing he could probably do something about it. And, here's, here's, and Jesus listens, right, and he, he kind of like puts her off a little bit by saying, hey, my time has not yet come, right? And so, you know, there's this idea that Jesus is focused on the will of the Father in the timing of the Father. And by the way, we can, we can, we can actually sin by having the, right, the wrong timing in the order of things in God's economy. I don't know if you ever thought about that. But, you know, something like sexual purity. God created sex. Sex is a good thing, but it's reserved for marriage, so you can have the timing wrong. Yes? And it's sinful. And so uh, it's not that God's holding out on you. God knows how it best works and how it best operates. And so Jesus is concerned about the Father's will and the Father's timing. He says, hey, my timing has not yet come. And, and, but, you know, but he still takes the request, right? And, and so he actually uses a term here called, he says, woman, which you'll, you're going to see again. And, and I know you can read that and go, man, Jesus is being disrespectful to his mom. No, he wasn't. It's a common title in ancient Near Eastern culture. I don't think we always get these titles and cultures. I learned this in Thailand this year. Thailand this year, and we were uh, meeting with uh, a young man that was engaged to get married. And I was like, hey, you know, what's your fiancé's name? And he was like, I don't know. It's like, what? You don't know? And so I, I make a big deal out of this like an idiot. You know, I'm like, hey, you know, you want your next date? You take your fiancé out and like ask her her name or something, you know? And so like the missionary kind of stepped in. He's like, no, this is really common. And you get in some of these tribal villages, and they grow up with these kind of generic titles of young woman or young man, and you oftentimes don't know their name, and I was like, oh, and I, was, I ate a little humble pie, and then I was like, I still think on your next date you should ask her name. You know, it's just me, but you know. Um, so that's how it goes. So it's, so it's, it's very um, it's very cultural, right? And he says, woman. But here's what's interesting is Mary's free to ask. Jesus is focused on bigger things, and he makes that clear. Hey, look, my time's not yet come. It's a common theme throughout the Scriptures. You know, in fact, we looked at this in Matthew chapter 6, right? Last year, we went through the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. I think as we mature in Christ, our prayers mature, right? And we understand, man, I'm, I'm thinking about kingdom prayers. Jesus taught us this, right? When he said, You pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But here's the thing Jesus still hears her prayer, and Jesus even answers her prayer. So I think it's fantastic. And as a child of God, there's nothing you can't come into the presence of God and pray about. Isn't that great? And our God cares, and our God understands where we are in our spiritual maturity, and He He works with us, He grows with us. Like man, what a great God we have! And He she submits this prayer to Jesus. Now, here's where I want to park. Okay, out of John chapter two, Mary looks at the servants, even though Jesus said, "My time has not yet come." Mary looks at the servants, and she says, "And this is you could get a lot worse advice from your mom. Do what He says. That's what she said. Do what He says." do what Jesus says. She says, obedience to the instructions of Christ. Listen, it's a great picture of the gospel. When you treasure the gospel, the overflow of treasuring is obedience to Christ. You can't say that you treasure the gospel and still love your sin. You can't say that you treasure Christ, but man, I ignore what he says. When we treasure Christ, right, then the overflow of treasuring is what the Bible calls simple obedience. And by the way, what the Bible calls simple obedience to the rest of the world is often going to look like radical fundamentalism or narrow-mindedness. That's, you're going to have to endure that journey when we do what he says, but doing what God says, doing what Christ says is an overflow of worship, and It reflects our faith. Do we really believe the Word of God? It reveals God's power when we lean into God's promises, and it refreshes our worship. By the way, have you ever done something like kind of do what He says, radical obedience to things of God, and then God show up and met you right where you are and met a need that could only be explained by God showing up? Yes? Ever done that? What does that do the next week when you start singing about praises to God? Like it's real for you, right? You're everlasting. You're unchanging. You provide. Man, the things of the world grow strangely dim. All those songs, man, to become real, real because it refreshes our worship, right? And this is where this stuff gets practical, right? We could, I could sit here and make this really, really practical for us. Do what he says. Do what he says. Do what he says. Like in dating. You're here this morning, you're dating someone. Are you pursuing purity in that dating relationship? If you treasure Christ, you do what He says. In your marriages, if you're, if you're here this morning, you're a Christian and you're married, marriages for a lifetime. We build marriages for a lifetime that honors the Lord. How do we do that? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And wives, respect your husbands as the church respects their Savior Christ. Not because either person deserves it, but is worship to the Lord. That's Ephesians chapter 5. A couple weeks ago, I did a wedding. Just before I do the vows of the wedding, I preach a little sermonette at the couple. I know they don't listen, but they don't remember. But i got to do something to fill the time, so you can't go right to the vows and rings this is what I say just before we take the vows. I say, these promises that you're about to make are not to be taken lightly. They are, not, they are made not only before your family and friends, but before God Almighty. These are promises made in the presence of God. He remembers our promises, and He holds us responsible for keeping them these promises are not voidable before Him. That's weighty, right? Whenever I say that, a young couple about to get married, they kind of look at me like, what? That ain't going to be a problem. I love this person, you know? those, those, Those promises, man, they're not voidable. They sound great on the wedding day, but guess what? They still apply seven years later. I don't care what itch is going on. 15 years, and 22 years, and 38 years, and they apply on Tuesday, this Tuesday, right? I could go on, but Mary teaches us, man, when you treasure something, the overflow of treasuring is obedience. Do what He says. Third story I want to look at is Jesus now, Jesus and His interaction with His mother, and we'll move quickly here. Jesus and His interaction with His Mother, I think Jesus is highlighting and teaching us the biblical importance of taking care of your family as an overflow of worship. I was going to make that the third point, but it was kind of lengthy. All right, so here it is The son provides for his mother. And so now, John. So, if you have your Bible, John chapter 19, you can flip there. John chapter 19, Jesus is on the cross. He's done His three years of public ministry, went through the mockery of a trial. He's now being crucified. He's hanging on the cross. And there's this interaction between Jesus and His mother. In John chapter 19, verse 25, it says, But standing by the cross of Jesus were His mother and His mother's sister, and Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. And when Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John, the apostle, standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. I want you to hear me on this. Christ took care of His earthly responsibilities. Christ took care of His earthly family responsibilities. In ancient Near Eastern culture, it was, the, it was the, the oldest son would receive all the inheritance of the family, and it was His job to take care of everybody in the family, including His aging parents. And so, Jesus had a responsibility, and as He's suffering and as He's dying, He didn't shirk His earthly responsibility. Listen, being eternally minded means attending to your earthly responsibilities. I'm sorry, let me say that again. <laughs> being e- yes, being eternally minded Because I say this a lot, we're not eternally, we're not heavenly-minded enough, but being eternally-minded does not mean we shirk earthly responsibilities, it means we give more attention to earthly responsibilities. Why? As an overflow of worship. One of the things I do when I do premarital counseling with a young couple, you want to know what session three is? Budgeting. We go over a budget. I make them make a budget. We look at the budget. I may, I, we talk about debt. We talk about, you ready for this? I talk about life insurance. 20-year-olds look at me like, what? I'm like, you have a responsibility to take care of your family. There's several businessmen right now. Like, I have a card. I have a card. I have a card, you know. So, like, and I do. I know some If you need one. But like, I look at them and I go, you have Netflix? Like, I can't afford life insurance. You have Netflix? You can afford life insurance. All right? I talked to them about health insurance. I said, you, ha- you now have a response as an act of worship to take care of your family. We worship God when we provide for our family. We worship God when we provide for our family. How do we do that? Well, we work hard. We work hard. Listen, I, y'all are like, I can't believe this is where the Mother's Day sermons going. Although I have a couple of mothers like, yeah, give it to them, Pastor. Give it to them, right? <laughs> sitting next to my boy or girl right now, give it to him. Here we go. Ready? Second Thessalonians three ten. The Apostle Paul: If anyone is unwilling to work, let him not what? Church parents, don't enable your kids. Did you hear that? Don't enable your kids. Said, I don't know. I don't know anybody that makes decent money that works less than fifty hours a week. I'm not. I'm not talking about overworking. There's a balance and a tension there. But man, like I'm, I guess I'm talking to some young people, maybe even some old people. Like, go get a job. Work. Work's a good thing. It's created by God. For we hear, Paul, Paul goes on. Right, we hear, Like Paul's actually shocked. Man, what would he do in our culture? For we hear that there's some among you that walk in idleness. He's shocked. There's some not working. I can't believe this. Not busy at work, but busybodies. Now, such a person, we command and encourage. It sounds very spiritual, doesn't it? We command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do their work quietly and earn their own livings. It's a biblical principle. Provide for our family by working hard. Secondly, we provide for our family by taking care of our senior adult family. Taking care of our senior adult family. Second, in First Timothy, the Apostle Paul is writing to a young pastor who's telling this pastor it's the church's responsibility to take care of widows in the church body, but before the responsibility falls on the church, it first falls on the family. First Timothy 5:3: Honor widows who are truly widows, but if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show what's the word there? Woo, godliness, worship, to their own household, and to make a return to their parents, for this is pleasing in the sight of God. As I was thinking about this verse, man, I was I was thinking about I was actually thinking about one of our elders who I know gives care to his dad. I was thinking about one of our uh, very involved leaders, members and leaders up in Gloucester, who gives care to his mom. I was like, man, these these men are reflecting Christ. And they take care of their family. By the way, you want to know what the, the three biggest ticket items are in the federal budget? Number one is Social Security and unemployment. Coming in at about 30% of every dollar you give to the U.S. government it goes to that need. Number two, coming in at about 28 cents on the dollar, is Medicare and Medicaid. Number three, and a distant third, is military spending at 18%. Almost 60% of the budget goes to the things that we should be doing in our homes. And what we've done is we've taken it out of our homes, we've taken it out of the churches, we've pawned it off on the government, and, and, and by the way, we're $22 trillion in debt because it's an unsustainable model. What will be the third biggest line item in the federal government in probably less than five years is just servicing the interest on the national debt. Why? Because we've taken out of the home what Christ said, man, this is honoring to me when you take care of your family. So, that should keep you up at night, but here's the deal. You you shouldn't be overly upset by it, okay, because here's the deal, parents. Ready? By the way, way more reliable than the government program is to teach your children to fear God, know Christ, and obey His Word. There's your Social Security program. And listen… Like, I can't wait, I'm raising teenagers. I'm already plotting what I'm going to do. Man, I can wait for them to take care of me. I got some great <laughs> stuff in mind. <laughs> uh... All kidding aside, actually, in Proverbs 13 tells, tells us a godly Father, make sure they have the resources to take care of you too. okay? That's a whole other thing. If we don't take care of our families, the scripture says we've denied the faith, First Timothy 5:8. If anyone does not provide for his family, his relatives, especially the members of his own household, he's denied the faith, and he's worse than an unbeliever. That's heavy, isn't it? This is a shocking Mother's Day sermon as it's coming out of my mouth, right? But here it is, right? I'm going to sum it up and close with a prayer. I want you to treasure Christ. Mary taught us that, man. She treasured these things. She guarded them And an overflow of that treasuring, do what He says. Be in the Word of God, read His Word, do what He says. And then since it is Mother's Day, we're called to treasure our families. And sometimes that's really practical and it's real. We work hard and we provide. We give loving, tender care. Mom, aging parents, you have any needs, anything I can help you with? Young, young people getting a job, becoming independent, growing to be godly men and women in the workplace, all that is honorable to the Lord. And we worship Him and we care for our families. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to thank You for my family. I want to thank You for parents that taught me these things. I want to thank You for work. You've created a an economy in which jobs can be found and can make a living, God. Thank You. Thank You for the value of hard work. Thank You for the gospel. I pray for the one in this room that maybe isn't hasn't yet treasured the gospel, that they might consider the claims of Christ, that they may repent of their sin and they would see the need of a Savior and be saved, and as the overflow of worship to Christ, they would do what He says. I pray for the one who is in habitual sin, that today they would hate their sin and love Christ more. And Father, we thank You for families. You ordered the family. You made this thing. You knitted this thing together. You know how it best works. And so, help us to provide loving support to one another and our families. Heavenly Father, I want to thank You for our mom's Lord, they are a treasured gift to us. And where would we be without our moms providing and serving and doing so many things behind the scenes that are so thankless so often? I Thank you for the relationship between children and moms that have been restored through the gospel, through forgiveness and repentance. Thank you for Mother's Day. Thank you for Christ.